hopefully excited about that. If anyone has any questions, I'm happy to go out for coffee, answer your questions. Uh, you know, if you want a more details, I'm, I'm happy to do that. So just come and see me. We'll go for a coffee and I can answer those questions. Um, how is everybody this morning? Are we good? Are we good? We've been at state conference this week, myself and a few leaders as well. There's nothing like being in a room full of pastors and leaders and worshipping the King together. And I'll tell you what, church, we are such a uh, we are a part of a, an amazing movement doing great things uh, across Australia, Australian Christian Churches, the ACC. Uh, it's just such a blessing that our church is a part of this movement and the good things that have been done. Not just our church, but every other church uh, across Australia. So it's really, really exciting. Um, as you know, we're doing the Timothy series, so we're week two uh, at the moment. Last week, Pastor Jacob uh, brought a powerful message and, and um, he spoke about encouraging us to uh, ask ourselves the question, who are we listening to? Who's speaking into your life? Do you want what they have? You know, because we've all heard it, we become who we hang around with, right? And it's so important that that we be careful who is speaking into our life. And he brought such a powerful message. And if you uh, jump online and have a listen, uh, if you missed that, that'll be awesome. But uh, So we're going through the book of Timothy at the moment. I'm just going to pray first, if that's okay. Lord, I just thank you for who you are, Father God. I thank you that you are the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, the Prince of Peace, Lord God. I thank you for your word, Lord. I thank you for your people, Father God. I pray that you prepare our hearts to receive your word this morning, Lord God, that your will be done, Father, in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, Amen. Fantastic. So Timothy was one of Paul's uh, early converts and his uh, earliest disciples. And so Paul spoke into Timothy's life um, and helping shaping it as a leader and a pastor. And so we first hear about Timothy in Acts chapter 16, verse 1 to 5. It says this, Paul came to Derby and then to Lystra, where a disciple named Timothy lived, whose mother was Jew Jewish and a believer, but whose father was a Greek. The believers at Lystra and Iconium spoke well of him. Paul wanted to take him along on the journey, so he circumcised him because of the Jews who lived in that area, for they all knew that his father was a Greek. As they travelled from town to town, they delivered the decisions reached by the apostles and elders in Jerusalem for the people to obey, so the churches were strengthened in the faith and grew daily in numbers. You know, I love what it says in verse 2, the believers spoke well of him. The believers spoke well of him. You know, it's so important that we win favour both with God and with man. Uh, in Proverbs chapter 3, verse 3 to 4, it says this, Let love and faithfulness never leave you, leave you. Bind them around your neck. Write them on the tablet of your heart. Then you will win favour and a good name in the sight of God and man. And in the Passion Translation, it says this, Hold on to loyal love and don't let go. And be faithful to all that you've been taught. Let your life be shaped by integrity with truth written upon your heart. That's how you'll find favour and understanding with both God and men. You'll gain the reputation of living life well. You know, it's, it's favour with both God and with man. It's not just with God, it's with both God and with man. You know, to have a good reputation, to have a good name amongst people is a good thing. It's so important. And it's not for, for your name's sake and it's not for my name's sake, but it's for his name's sake so that we can reach more people with the, with the gospel. You know, it's important that our church is known amongst our community for good things. It's so important that Grace Church has a good reputation. Why? So that we can reach more people with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Uh, and these scriptures tell us that it comes through love and faithfulness. 
It comes through integrity and truth. Uh, and so keep loving. Keep being faithful. Be integrous. Uh, you know, do what you say you're going to do. There's no quicker way to lose your reputation than not doing what you say you're going to do. If you say you're going to do it, then do it. It's through integrity and truth. Be honest. Uh, be open. Be transparent. It propels you into your destiny and guaranteed your destiny will impact the lives of others. And so the people spoke well of Timothy and Paul wanted to take him on the journey with him. Um, and so, but first he had to make sure that Timothy got circumcised. Ouch. It wasn't a salvation issue. It was purely to win favour with the Jews. That's, that's why he said, if we, we just read it, it was to win favour with the Jews because there were many Jews around. And it was in line with what Paul spoke about in 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 20. It says this, To the Jews I became like a Jew to win the Jews. To those under the law I became like one under the law, though I myself am not under the law, so as to win those under the law. To those not having the law I became like one not having the law, though I'm not free from God's law, but am under Christ's law so as to win those not having the law. To the weak I became weak, to win the weak. I have become all things to all people, so that by all possible means I might save some. That's why he got Timothy circumcised, not because it was to do with salvation, but it's because he wanted to win favour with the people. You win favour with God and you win favour in man's eyes too. And so Paul the Apostle understood this. He understood uh, what it meant to win favour, uh, to connect with those that he was wanting to reach. And we have to ask ourselves the question, where can we build better relationships? Where can we reach outside of our circle uh, to, so that we too might be able to save some? Just as Paul the Apostle was thinking, we need to have that mindset as well. Uh, sometimes as Christians, as believers, we just sort of stay in our little circle and our little bubble and we're here and the people are over there. But we need to be smart. We need to strategize. How can we uh, connect with God's people? You know, Santa Claus and Easter Bunny get a bit of a bad rap sometimes. And, uh, and even ourselves here at Grace Church, we've been criticized for having them at our events or in our kids' church. We're just speaking the world's language so that we can connect and bring them to Jesus Christ. That's all we're doing, winning favour with God and with people. And, and you know what I love? I love that Paul was sold out to Jesus Christ and he taught his disciples to be the same. It was so, so important. And I love that it wasn't just about Paul being the super apostle, you know, uh, going around and spreading the gospel. He took people with him. He already had Silas with him and he wanted Timothy too. He was a team guy. He understood that together was better. And, uh, and our vision here at Grace Church is to advance God's kingdom with the message of Jesus Christ in this city and across the world. Helping people connect with God, grow in relationship with him, with him and discover their purpose and fulfil their destiny. That's our vision at Grace Church. Connect, grow, empower. Connect people with God. Help them grow in relationship and empower them to fulfil their destiny, which ultimately they'll impact the lives of other people. But we're not going to do it alone on one or two people. It's every single person here a part of it. Every single person at Grace Church, not one or two people alone together fulfilling this vision. It's going to take all of us, people that are sold out to Jesus Christ, reaching people for Jesus Christ.
You know, I hear so often people justifying uh, why they've stopped serving God, you know, why they may have stepped off team or whatever it may be, and they say they're just making room for others, you know, so that others can come through the ranks and move up. But I want to tell you this morning that there's plenty of room for everybody. There's a lot of room for everybody. You know, there's approximately 5 billion people in the world that don't know Jesus Christ. We need everybody, everybody. There's plenty of room for everybody. We add to team and we grow and we reach people for Jesus. We don't need people stepping aside to make room. We need to be inclusive just as Paul was inclusive. He was with Silas and he says, Timothy, come too. When he wrote letters, it was the three or four of them writing letters to the churches. He brought people along. He shaped leaders. He trained them up together. He adds to teams and grows. You know, our value, one of our values at Grace, Grace Church is courageous faith. We live a life of faith. We are bold, big-thinking, courageous believers. If God calls us to it, then we do it. Another, another value is unity. We run together in one accord and the same spirit. We are more powerful together. Together we can change the world. Together. And Paul understood this and he was teaching Timothy the same. And so these letters to Timothy uh, are to Timothy as he pastors and leads the church in Ephesus. And so there were some false teachings going around at that time uh, that were being spread. And Paul was encouraging Timothy to put a stop to the falsehood. He said, just stop, stop that talk, stop that teaching. And he encouraged uh, Timothy to encourage the people to maintain spiritual disciplines. And he also encouraged Timothy to encourage the church to continue to walk in a Christ-like community. So important. And this is what Paul was writing these letters to Timothy and that's what he was saying. He said, make sure you've got a community based on love and truth and faith. And he was encouraging Timothy to, to put a stop to the talk and to the falsehood and to, and to walk forward in the things of God. You know, there's nothing worse than gossip and division. You know, it really breaks down things. And, uh, and Paul understood this and he took this really seriously. Um, 1 Timothy chapter 3, verse 14 says this, Although I hope to come to you soon, this is Paul writing, I'm writing these instructions so that if I'm delayed, you will know how people ought to conduct themselves in God's household, which is the church of the living God. Don't you love that? The church of the living God. Not a dead God, the living God the pillar and foundation of the truth. Beyond all question, the mystery from which true godliness springs is great. He appeared in the flesh, was vindicated by the Spirit, was seen by angels, was preached among the nations, was believed on in the world and was taken up in glory. Paul was reminding Timothy what it's all about and why we do what we do. You've got to love it. We serve a living God based on the pillar of truth with Jesus Christ as the chief cornerstone. And we therefore conduct ourselves according to this. This is what we conduct ourselves to, not the false teaching, but according to this. Jesus Christ is the foundation. We just sung it. Our life is built on a firm foundation. Amen. Uh, chapter 4, verse 7 says this, Have nothing to do with godless myths and old wives' tales. Anyone's got a few old wives' tales? Rather, train yourself to be godly. Train yourself to be godly. Again, Paul is dealing with false teaching. And in today's context, the message is the same. Have nothing to do with New Age teachings. Have nothing to do with, with, with the world's teachings, you know. And they're trying to get so much into our head these days. Have you noticed? 
They'll try every which angle, have nothing to do with superstitions, worldly teachings, etc. Uh, rather, Paul says, train yourself to be godly. Train yourself to be godly. And you know, in this day and age, particularly for young people, and we've got a couple of young people here, the, the challenges are tough. The, the things, the challenges that they come up against, the beliefs and teachings that they're trying to get into their head, uh, what they're coming up against is evil. And so we need to be praying for our young people. But young people in the house today, you need to train yourself to be godly. Train yourself to be in God's word. Train yourself to be godly. You know, I've been at conference uh, this week and, and the preacher said this. He said, grace is free, salvation is free, but discipline will cost you. Serving God will cost you. Obedience will cost you. Those other things are free and that's awesome and that's great and we receive them in the name of Jesus Christ. But these other things, they will cost you. And Paul is saying, train yourself. And whenever you hear that word train, you know there's pain involved, right? <laughs> I'm just thinking the gym, you know. I'm so lazy lately. I've got to get back into it. But train, when you hear train... You think pain. Well, some of us do anyway. But you know what? It's not going to happen by itself, is it? Someone else can't do it for you. Train yourself to be godly. It doesn't matter what church you go to. It doesn't matter how good the programs are over there or how good the preacher is. And you know what? Or how cool the church is. I'm all for outstanding preachers. I'm all for cool churches. And I'm all for great programs. But you're still going to have to train yourself. You're still going to have to discipline yourself. You're still going to have to work through your own issues. doesn't matter where you go, your, some, your, your issues follow you, right? <laughs> well, hang on, they're inside of me. I've got to work through them. No one can do it for you. Verse 8 says this, For physical training is of some value, but godliness has value for all things. So physical training is great. Nothing against the fitness freaks in the room today. Kirsty Lee, no. <laughs> but that's of some value, which is awesome. Do that. But training yourself in godliness has value for all things. All things. Holding promise for both the present life and the life to come. And then Paul backs it up in verse 9 and he says this. This is a trustworthy saying that deserves full acceptance. He's saying don't miss it. He's saying, make sure you get this. He said, make sure you accept this piece of truth that I'm telling you right now. That training yourself in godliness has value for all things, both in this life and in the life to come. Amen? Don't make yourself look good on the outside and forget about the inner man. Don't forget about what's inside. Aim for the crown that will last forever. Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 26, Therefore, I do not run like someone running aimlessly. I do not fight like a boxer beating the air. No, I strike a blow to my body and make it my slave so that after I've preached to others, I myself will not be disqualified for the prize. Paul understood that training in godliness was a lifetime commitment. You know, we never arrive. It's a way of life. It's for the young and for the old. Can I say that? Old. <laughs> for the young and for the old. It was King David that prayed in Psalm 139. 
verse 23. He said, search me, God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there's any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. He opened himself up to God. Have your way. Is there anything... If, is there anything that you want to show me? Is there anything that I need to repent of? I, I don't know if I said, but I've been repenting all week at conference. I'm like, Lord, I forgive this person and God help me with that. And, and, and Lord, I mean, it was amazing. We've got to be open to the Holy Spirit. What are we going to put our walls up and get defensive and, and say, no, you know, no, you know. It's like, yes, Lord, I'm sorry. Help me. I need you. Do what you have to do in me. And the question is, is what's your next step of obedience? Is it to work on your marriage? Is it to work through unforgiveness? Is it to reach out to that person? Read your Bible, tithe, get baptised, join the worship team? <laughs> had to throw that one in there. <laughs> Speaking to someone this morning. Is it to reconcile with a family member? You know, is God calling you to reach out? Yes, they've done this. Yes, they've done that. But is God saying, I want you to reach out? He may or may not be. I don't know. God's speaking to you. What's he saying to you? It's different for every person. Obedience triggers the miraculous. That's the cool thing. Obedience triggers the miraculous. It was the Apostle Paul that said, For the kingdom of God is not a matter of talk but of power. The kingdom of God is not a matter of talk but of power. Uh, you know, there's so much talk around these days. There's so much talk. It's like, let's just be doers. Let, let's, let's let our actions be louder than our words. Let's just walk it out. And if you're going to talk, make sure you walk it out, yeah? Because <laughs> we can all talk, some more than others. But let's be doers. Let's not look in the mirror and forget what we look like. Let's be doers. And Paul was encouraging Timothy to stay true to the faith and to teach his people to be the same. In verse 11 he says, Command and teach these things. Don't let anyone look down on you because you are young, but set an example for the believers in speech, in conduct, in love, in faith and in purity. That's a lot of things you've got to <laughs> set an example in. Speech, conduct, love in faith and in purity. And this is for every believer. This isn't just for Timothy. This is for every believer, young and older, not so young, more mature, whichever way you want to put it, young and old. Set an example. If you're a Christian, if you're a believer in the house this morning, set an, set an example. Set an example in your speech. What's coming out of your mouth? Is it rudeness and crudeness and negativity and gossip? And God calls you higher. And I know, I know it's a struggle to, 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 to control our mouth, isn't it? But as long as we're working towards it, as long as God, you know, when, when you realise, repent, I'm sorry, God, and keep working on it. Set an example in conduct. How, how do you behave and conduct yourself, not on a Sunday, <laughs> outside of church, in the home, in the workplace, on the road? <laughs> Yeah, on the road. <laughs> I had someone just going off their head at me the other day and I'm like, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. I mean, because sometimes you make mistakes, right? I forgot to put my indicator on. But it's just like, it's a mistake, man. Just chill. <laughs> but anyway, 
set an example in love. Uh, are you loving the unlovable? Are you walking in forgiveness? So important. Uh, set an example in faith. Are you full of fear or are you full of faith? You know, I love this whole concept of setting an example and I've sort of lived my life as a leader, uh, you know, and, and as in setting examples, but I never thought about it in setting an example in faith. This is my challenge. This is, this is something I'm going to work on. Set an example in faith. Are you full of fear or full of faith? Are you operating in fear or are you operating in faith? Are you making decisions based on fear or are you making decisions based on faith? Set an example in faith. I love it. <laughs> this is my new thing. Set an example in purity. I mean, it's not hard to notice that how, how the world is just getting less and less pure. I mean, it's getting pretty bad, right? <laughs> but as Christians, as believers, it's set an example in purity. What are you watching? What are you looking at? Set an example in purity. 2 Corinthians 7 1 says, Therefore, since we have these promises, dear friends, let us purify ourselves from everything that contaminates body and spirit, perfecting holiness out of reverence for God. As believers, we have a responsibility to conduct ourselves according to the values of God. It's called sanctification, the process of being sanctified. Uh, you know, we've been set aside. We've been set apart for the things of God. Hebrews 10.14 says, For by one sacrifice he is made perfect forever those who are being made holy. And so sanctification is you are sanctified by the blood of Jesus Christ, but then you continue in the process of sanctification, becoming holy. And so 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 14 to 15 says, As obedient children, do not conform to the evil desires you had when you lived in ignorance, but just as he who called you is holy, so be holy in all you do. For it is written, Be holy because I am holy. And Paul says to Timothy in verse 15, Be diligent in these matters, give yourselves wholly to them, a different type of holy, uh, so that everyone may see your progress. Watch your life and doctrine closely. Persevere in them, because if you do, you will save both yourself and your hearers. And so as Christians, as believers, we're all leaders. We're all leaders. It's not just the people that stand on this stage. We're all leaders and people are watching your life closely. Why? Because they want to see, if you're saying you're a Christian, they want to see if Jesus Christ really does make a difference. And so they're watching your life closely. So commit yourself to the process of sanctification. Uh, be diligent in these matters. Give yourself wholly to them. Be holy as he is holy. And so this morning I want to land on verse 14. And it says this. It says, do not neglect your gift which was given you through prophecy when the body of elders laid their hands on you. You know, some of us here this morning uh, have had words prophesied over us. We've, we've, had, we've had people lay their hands on us and, and speak words over us. Or God has spoken directly to you very clearly and he's spoken to you about your purpose. He's, he's, he, you know what, what gifts he's given you and, he, and, and he's spoken to you about your future and you know that in your heart. Or people have laid hands on you and prophesied over you and it's connected with you and you're, you're like, that's right. And it's risen something up within you. But you know, some of us in this room have doubted. 
Some of us, in fact, have refused to believe. As soon as it's come in, it gets pushed right out. That can't be me. That word wasn't for me. Some of us have, have believed the word and, and then have become disappointed because you haven't seen it come to pass. And so it's been years and years and years and you've given up. Or some of you have allowed fear to hold you back in a massive way. And I get that. I really do get that. The same with me. For many years, 10 years plus, I allowed fear to hold me back, particularly in regards to public speaking. Kicking and screaming and crying and carrying on. But God says to you this morning, as we just read, do not neglect your gift. Do not neglect your gift. God's call is irrevocable. It can't be reversed. (laughs) It doesn't matter how, like if you've doubted or you're refused or you've gone off path or fear is still holding you back. God's not going to give up on you. (laughs) His call is irrevocable. It cannot be reversed. His word does not return void. His promises are true and forever and they still stand today. I don't care how many years it's been. That word was a word for you. That prophecy was a prophecy for you. And Paul says to Timothy to fan into flame the gift of God which is in you. Fan into flame the gift of God which is in you. And so some of us this morning need to be stirring up that gift again. We need to be stirring it up. We need to be agreeing with what God has been saying and not pushing it away and rejecting it, but agreeing and saying, yes, God, I receive that in Jesus' name. His word still stands. It hasn't gone anywhere. He'll keep coming after you. He kept coming after me. God has a plan and there are people on the other side of your obedience waiting to be impacted, waiting to be touched in a powerful way by the gifts that he's given you. Unwrap that gift. Don't be rude. If someone gives you a gift, you're going to unwrap it, right? It's rude if you don't. God's given you gifts. Let's unwrap them. We're not rude people, are we? I was rude for 10 years or so, but anyway, he's forgiven me, right? He gives you gifts. We unwrap them and we use them. And we say thank you. And we know it's all because of him. And you know, just as it costs someone to go to the shop and purchase a gift and and to give it to you, it costs God something too. It costs his son, Jesus Christ. And so we don't want to nail him back to the cross, do we? We don't want to push it away. We want to embrace it and say thank you and stir up that gift this morning. Today is the day, if many years ago something's been spoken over to over you, today is the day that that's ignited, that you choose not to neglect that gift and fan the flame of the gift within you. Amen? Amen. Let's live the life that Christ died to give us. God gave us gifts. And God says, do not neglect the gift that I've given you. Amen. We're just going to pray. Thank you, Lord.
First of all, I just want to pray if there's uh, anybody in this room that has not entered into a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. I want to give you an opportunity right now. The best decision you'll ever make to fill that void within, that emptiness within that only God can fill. And so if you're in this room and you're not entered into a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, today is your day. And so if there's anyone here that wants to do this, so I just ask that you raise your hand and we're just going to pray a prayer all together. Just a couple of more moments. We're going to pray together. Just pray after me. God, I thank you that you sent your son Jesus to die on a cross for me. I ask that you wash me clean. Forgive me of my sins, and today I choose to live for you all the days of my life. Amen. And for the rest of us, God, I just pray for every single person here, Lord God, that we would not neglect the gifts that you've given us, Lord God. I pray that you'd stir it up again in every single person here this morning, Lord, that we would embrace the gifts that you've given us, that we would not allow fear or doubt or unbelief to hold us back any longer, that would step into all that you've called us to and begin to make a difference in the lives of others. So we thank you for the words that you have spoken to us, Lord God. We thank you for the prophecies, Father God. And we thank you that they will come to pass, Lord. We thank you that your word is true, that your call is irrevocable, that your word does not return void. And we stand on those promises today, Lord, in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, Amen. We're just going to finish uh, with a song this morning, if that's all right. And have a chat to God. Do business with him this morning. Hey, is that okay? Praise God.